Cannabis Commerce continues to cultivate new markets for adventurous entrepreneurs. CannabisRadio.com welcomes the adventurous to cannabis and commerce. Presented by GreenBiz.com. This show brings together cannabis entrepreneurs and industry experts to discuss today's important cannabis issues. Our discussions will chronicle the challenges faced by cannabis owners and the battles surrounding cannabis nationwide. Now, here are your hosts. Welcome to Cannabis and Commerce. I'm your host, Josh Miller, uh, with my partner and esteemed colleague, Mazier Momeni. This show discusses uh, is a forum where we can discuss the inner happenings of the cannabis industry, uh, what people are doing out there in business and otherwise, to try and progress this industry uh, so that we may all find a little more reason and logic out there. Today, Maz and I are joined by one of our good friends and partners, Soham Shah. We had Soham on the show last week, and we want to discuss more of what we started to discuss with him last week. So uh, we're having him back again today. Soham, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, Josh. Uh, so remind us, who do you work for? Why are you here? Sure. Uh, as, uh, as we talked a little bit about last week, I've worked a little bit on a, a couple consulting projects with, uh, with my friends and partners here at the, the consulting group. Um, our main focus right now is the Cannabis Commodities Exchange, which is an online wholesale platform for licensed businesses here in Colorado and in Washington as well, and uh, with a couple other states on the radar. And uh, that's, that's basically what we're doing right now. And I remember last week we were talking about the uh, the differences between Colorado and Washington and even other markets. Um, but today I want to talk with you more about tech and uh, what we see inside of the cannabis industry as far as technology goes. Maybe what we are trying to do at the exchange to promote that, but what other people are doing um, and how this all plays a part and how we progress this industry. Why don't you tell us more? Uh, I know in the end of September, there was a tech startup event here in Denver. Tell us about that, uh, who all was there and what was going on. Yeah, so that was the MJ Startup Weekend. It was a hackathon-style tech competition for different uh, marijuana-related startups and developers and people who wanted to enter the the cannabis space. Um, It was really cool. Uh, For me, it was the first tech-related event tech-specific event that I've seen here in the Colorado industry, uh, and I, I mean, I'm, I feel privileged to be one of uh, maybe a couple people who've been to a, a, some similar events up in Seattle as well, and really being able to uh, to get a different perspective on how technology is advancing the, the industry in, in each specific state. Um, that weekend itself, uh, we pitched an idea which was separate from our exchange platform, uh, which is basically an open source, open API, nonprofit uh, testing platform that manages testing results and aggregates results uh, so that at some point in the future uh, we can analyze them and improve our standards of, of different product grading as an industry. So you mentioned aggregating results. How is that currently done? Do, do you know, like, well, what's the current inefficiency? Um, as far as I know, there's no central place where results are aggregated right now. Different uh, licensees use different labs to get their products tested. Some of those labs do aggregate their own results, but unfortunately, that's really only a, a single, you know, one single perspective on, on testing because there's so many different methods that are used for testing by different labs. And as, as an industry and as a society, the research has not yet been done to, to determine what the best metrics are for testing. And there's so much variance in the results you get from different labs uh, so that's why we want to propose something which, once again, has no really monetary incentive behind it. Um, it's 
just a place that licensees can manage their test results. They can, uh, you know, import them from whatever testing labs they're using. They can export them and push them to say like their seed to sale software or to their wholesale system, whether we're using ours or some other one. Um, and then at the end of the day, any third party can for free access anonymous aggregate data to perform their own analysis. All right. So to break it down, this is, this is a platform, one singular platform, multiple testing labs can push their results and the people whose products are tied to those results uh, or whose results those are, they can manage those results in whatever fashion they want. Ah, precisely. And, and that's like providing information, providing them to the platform. Uh, yes. Yeah, so the, the incentive that they have out of it is that it's much easier for them to manage and view all of their results for any batch and, and push them to other platforms. And, um, you know, an, an added incentive is that they're contributing to improve the industry because we will have, if this platform takes off and, and gains traction, we will have a backend database which can store information about all these different testing results and, Quite frankly, I don't know what the result of that type of analysis would be because I'm not a horticulturist. I'm not a scientist. That's not really my area of expertise. What I would like to do is, is take some of the benefits and some of the advantages that we have with our, with our exchange platform, such as the database and the easy-to-use functionality on the front end, and carry that over to something that will ultimately benefit the industry and uh, you know we don't need to make money off of all right. Uh, no, I like it. That's a, it is. It's a big idea. I think it's going to need a lot of development. And I, I, see, I see from just the amount of information it can provide and access to science as a big positive to the industry and also what it can eventually provide, I think, to consumers and in their knowledge. I think those are really practical applications. But let's, let's take a couple steps back and let's talk about um, just why this is needed, like w- what immaturities exist in this industry, why something like this is important, and maybe what roadblocks exist before we can get there. You know, Sure. Um, if we just think about uh, how the industry has progressed, it's really only been over the past 20 years that we've started to, to learn more and more about the plant. And that's really just a product of, of true objective research being blocked since the birth of modern medicine. So at the end of the day, what we think we know about this plant is is very little. Relatively, it's almost nothing. And uh, an example of that is that for us, for most consumers, the, the final thing that we look at when we purchase like a flower is the cannabinoid profile. Um, the issue with that is that you could potentially have something that is 100% indica but it has one particular cannabinoid profile, maybe 20% THC, you know, 1% CBD, and so on. And you could find a, a pure sativa that has a similar cannabinoid profile. Why do they have vastly different effects on our bodies? Obviously, there is something else that's at play within the plant that affects how uh, this plant and those chemicals enter our body uh, that we don't quite understand. And uh, from from what we know, the answer there is the terpenes. The problem is that we don't know enough about those terpenes, how they interact with one another, how they interact with cannabinoids. Um, terpenes generally are, are agonists to the same cannabinoid receptors in our endocannabinoid system, so we know that they have some effect on our body and, and the hive, but we don't necessarily know what that is. And once again, we feel that a lot of the decisions that are made and the assumptions that are made in the industry are, are driven by anecdotal information. And this is where we want to help you know, facilitate that transition 
to decisions being driv- uh, driven by data and by, by information, real information. So it's almost like a, a driving force for a cannabis genome project. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess so. Once again, I'm not a horticulturist. I'm not a scientist. I don't know how how it's going to play out, how these standards will be developed, what those standards will be, what they'll look like. But I, I truly believe that having uh, free access to a complete source of, of data will be the driving force behind that. It also seems beneficial because it, it seems like you guys are promoting transparency with test results. Absolutely. And that not only benefits licensees, uh, in the industry as a whole, but it especially benefits end consumers because once a third party system who potentially takes end user reviews, maybe somebody who does strain reviews or something like that, if they can take uh, aggregate data from our platform and try and correlate it to uh, some of the end user reviews they've got, then we can start to tie uh, the profile of the plant scientifically to how it affects users at the end of the day. I can see a type of application like that, too. Let's talk about these testing labs. Can you give us a short history of what you know of testing of cannabis and how maybe testing is similar in cannabis to other industries and how testing of cannabis may be different from testing in other industries? Yeah. So one of the biggest differences is from a a regulatory perspective that in, in most industries, as far as I know, especially if you think about food and drugs, the FDA is the person who is doing test results and evaluating whether something is safe for consumption or not. Uh, and they're a bureaucracy. They're, they're a branch of our federal government. In the cannabis industry, on the other hand, testing labs are private corporations that are, you know, that are allowed to make profit, which is good because it, uh, it allows them to fund their research and development into, you know, improving their testing metrics. But on the other side, it's it's a barrier to providing information to licensees and ultimately to uh, you know the end consumer. And uh, can you talk about some of the testing labs or other other groups that uh, you may be partnering with in, in this endeavor? Sure. So uh, we're trying to build an advisory board right now, and that's just to make sure we have an appropriate variety of, of different industry stakeholders, people that stand to contribute, people that stand to gain from this system, um, just so we can make sure that we're, we're thinking about everybody and, and making sure all the different angles are covered. So part of that is, yes, some of the big testing labs, maybe the CAN labs and the Steep Hill Hayland uh, up in Washington, maybe Analytical 360, the workshop. Um, Northwest Cannabis Labs. Honestly, we don't necessarily have any preference. We would rather have a variety of them because we want to be able to store all of their different types of data. So we want to know what uh, what's every possible testing metric that, that they can provide and make sure that we can store all of that. Um, in addition to that, we're looking at people whose product is going to be tested, people who, who are going to be using the platform to manage the results. So dispensary owners, people who own infused product manufacturer, uh, infused product labs, um, basically anything along those lines. Um, and then we also need to consider the stakeholders where information will be pushed to their platform. So any type of seed to sale company and other ancillary uh applications and platforms, potentially a wholesale platform like ours. Um, and then I think the the last real crucial part to building an advisory board is, uh, is having a, a data architect, somebody who really knows how to store large amounts of data and make it so it's 
searchable and trackable. Nice. That uh, that's a that's a lot to wrap the head around. I like it. Uh, we we need to take a quick break. Uh, we come back. Let's continue the conversation. And all of this, I mean, all of this really does revolve in ways around the testing labs. Who right now are going to be as this this industry evolves, are going to be these gatekeepers of science. And so let's get, let's keep getting back to them and try to understand what they're actually testing for, what types of information they're looking for and trying to provide us so that we know all the types of beneficial applications maybe that can come from having such an open source resource. Be right back. Cannabis and Commerce, presented by GreenBiz.com. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. Looking to capitalize your cannabis business? You need the help of professionals who know the ins and outs of this industry and can help your business grow. You need the Green Consulting Group. We grow cannabis. Based in Colorado and working nationwide, we are experts in business strategy and understand the intricacies of operating within existing regulatory structures of this burgeoning industry. We offer business planning and market analysis, dispensary and cultivation management, marijuana license preparation, and regulatory compliance services. The Green Consulting Group are your consummate cannabis consultants and advocates, offering customized, cutting-edge professional consulting services to the cannabis industry. Find out how we can help you by visiting the Green Consulting Group at G-R-E-E-N-E-B-I-Z dot com. Green Consulting Group does not constitute legal or other professional advice on any subject and always recommends seeking the advice of independent counsel and business professionals. The smoke is rising, and the next crop of podcasts devoted to cannabis providers and enthusiasts are ready to be harvested. Welcome to the Cannabis Radio Network, founded by respected rainmakers who have been producing award-winning podcasts for over a decade. Industry headlines, business updates, medical reports, marketing, and e-commerce education rolled up perfectly for your consumption. Let's grow together. The Cannabis Radio Network. CannabisRadio.com. The conversation continues. Welcome back to Cannabis and Commerce, presented by GreenBiz.com, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back to Cannabis and Commerce. I'm your host, Josh Miller, my co-host, Mazi Armomini. Uh, we're here today with Soham Shah, the Cannabis Commodities Exchange. Uh, we're talking about an endeavor he has been embarking on since a tech startup weekend. That weekend got his the, the wheels and his brain rolling, and uh, he's on to a resource and the chance to build a resource that could really help the industry. It's called the Terpene Project right now, subject to change. It's still in its infant phase, and it's trying to provide an open source resource for users to manage their test results and for others to have access to those testing results so they can take that data and present all kinds of applications. We are talking about testing labs before we left. And so in, in cannabis, it's a little different because like when other food, let's say, or other horticultural products go through testing or they're going through like contaminant testing for pesticides, how does cannabis testing, how is it similar and how is it different from what we see in other industries in that regard? Um, as far as the contaminants are concerned, uh, that's it's very similar. That's one of the, the mandatory tests that uh, that's meant to be run on any, any batch of uh, cannabis-related product that's going to show. Uh, then we also have potency testing, which you know is also important. We want to make sure that people are not consuming too much. We need to know, you know, maybe if you think about it like alcohol, you want to make sure that when you go and buy a bottle of alcohol and it says forty percent alcohol by volume, that it's not actually sixty percent and it's not actually twenty percent. So potency is also important. But there's this whole other spectrum of testing 
that that is not mandatory, such as terpene profiles and other and extended cannabinoid profiles. What is a cannabinoid? Um, for anyone who may not know, what that okay, is. so a cannabinoid is one uh, type of. of substance chemical that is in uh, the cannabis plant naturally occurring in the cannabis plant uh, that fits into our own body in the form of our endocannabinoid system which is in our brain and the more research that's done the more we're learning that our endocannabinoid system overall is is uh, you know is charged with maintaining homeostasis within our body and that a lot of the time is why it can provide relief to such a variety of different medical conditions. So is THC a cannabinoid? THC example? is probably the most the most well known, the most prevalent cannabinoid, and that's because uh, delta nine THC. That's after it's uh, it's heated up and converted into an active cannabinoid. It becomes psychoactive. So in raw plant matter, that cannabinoid uh, occurs as an acid THCA, and it's not psychoactive. Once it's heated up, it's converted to delta nine uh, THC, which is what most people know about cannabis. Um, more and more recently, we've heard a lot, uh, a lot in the news with, with regard to uh, epilepsy and Dravet syndrome uh, with an, a newer or a, a less well-known cannabinoid known as uh, CBD or cannabidiol. And that's a non, another non-psychoactive cannabinoid. And uh, that's just one of maybe a hundred different cannabinoids that occur in the plant naturally. In testing labs now, are they testing a certain profile of cannabinoids? How extensive is that? But that's not required, like contaminant testing has become required or is becoming required? Yeah, that's that's about right. What needs to happen before this becomes an industry norm, do you think? Um, I, In my opinion, it's something that needs to be promoted from within the industry. It's something that people who are industry stakeholders need to embrace and, and, you know, push themselves. Otherwise it's not going to happen. It's, um, it might take a little bit longer. Um, but even what we've seen with, with edibles and how edibles have been in the news over the past six months and how it's, it's come to a lot of reform around packaging and labeling within the edibles industry. A lot of those changes have been, yes, they have been regulatory, but they've been at the advice of, edibles manufacturers and other industry stakeholders. And the, the more that we can try and improve ourselves as an industry and the less that that's mandated, the better off we'll be. So it's, it's really, we're trying to find those, those cultivators, the edibles manufacturers, the, the retailers who are, you know, open to, to being at that, you know, that cutting edge and helping push the knowledge that we have of the plant to, an, to another level and so we can understand more. And a lot of those people are the people that care the most about the patients because ultimately um, that's, that's where, uh, that's where the, the biggest benefit is, is that we're going to see. And, and cultivators and, and edibles producers that have quality products and they get tested and they get tested with nice results or have really nice looking cannabinoid profiles for people who can understand those. Um, those are things they, they may want to present to the public and show people. Absolutely. So the, the terpene project, as you said, is our, our working title of, of this project um, would allow a licensee to go on there. And before they pushed their results to a third party platform, they would have the option to either have a private profile where only they could see it or they could publish it publicly. Once again, if you know if somebody has something that has tested very well, I don't know why they would not want to share that. Regardless of whether it's public or private, that information will be there. So anonymous or not, as far as the user goes and their product, 
But then third parties can come on and developers and other entrepreneurs can come on and, and think of ideas and applications for this information and how they can use that to better the industry. Have you thought about some of those and what those might be? Definitely. Um, I, it, it, right off the top of my head, I'm thinking anybody who has end-user interaction, whether it's a Weed Maps or a Leafly or a Waxy or a Mass Roots, I mean, the possibilities there are endless. Anybody who has end-user interaction and has their own data would probably want to be able to correlate it to the data that's available on the Terpene project. And the beauty of it is that we don't want to charge for access to this data. It's very open. It's very uh, easy for anyone to use. So anybody can analyze it. And if you want to make a claim about, you know, the Terpenes and how they interact with something else uh, and publish that claim, somebody else will have access to the same data and your claims are subject to peer review, which is very, very, you know, in line with the scientific process. That's how medicine is, you know, that's how medical advances in a lot of cases are, are documented and researched. I can see all kinds of uh, apps, just apps coming from this um, and that information. But as a, as a hub for science and people who have studied the plant and do know about it and want to know how certain cannabinoids interact with certain conditions or cause certain effects, I mean, this is, it's a resource of science too, right? It's it a is. spectrum of, of data. And that's, well, that's really the biggest void that we have right now in the industry is the science. We, compared to what we know about other plants and other life forms and other chemicals, our knowledge, in, in my opinion, of cannabis is very primitive and it's behind, behind the times. And once again, that has to do with, you know, 70 years prohibition and, and science into, into the plant being blocked since modern medicine has been around. Would it be also fair to say that cannabis is probably more complex, uh, and, and even if we started at the same time, it would probably still take us longer to figure out all the things there is I to know about I would say absolutely. Plant. I mean, there's so many different cannabinoids, different terpenes. Terpenes we know about, they occur naturally in other plants, in, in citrus or in pine or mint or all sorts of other, you know, there's a variety of different terpenes, and some of them also happen to, to occur within the cannabis plant, and that's a lot of it. Uh, for for some end users, that makes up the smell and the taste that they care about, and for other users, that probably has some medical impact that we just don't know yet. Nice. So yeah, I really I see this as uh, a really nice resource for science and science behind cannabis, and really just trying to catch up with what we lost. I think we're going to take one more break before we start our final second, and let's talk uh, in that final segment. Let's talk more about uh, just what you've seen in cannabis tech and what's coming and and where you see it going. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll be back soon. Cannabis and Commerce, presented by GreenBiz.com. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. Chronicling the latest cannabis industry news and headlines. Welcome to the State of Cannabis. Bringing you fact-based news and views and keeping listeners on the pulse of what's happening in the industry today. Advocates and analysts will join us to discuss the ongoing path to reform and legislation. The State of Cannabis. On demand anytime, only on CannabisRadio.com. Hi, I'm Montel Williams. Most of you know me as a talk show host, but I'm also an author, actor, single father of four, a fitness writer, avid snowboarder, and I'm also a medical marijuana patient. Like many of the million people who are living with multiple sclerosis, I'm in pain every single day. 
And sometimes my nerves are so raw that if you brushed up against me in an elevator, I'd scream. I can't sleep at night from the pain, and sometimes the spasms in my legs are so intense they will wake me up throughout the night. I've tried the strongest prescription medications available, and I'm going to tell you, they do not work. In fact, they leave me in a stupor, and most of the time, it's impossible to even live your life. Now, I've tried medical marijuana, and I'm going to tell you something, it works. If you'd like more information about medical marijuana, you can contact the Marijuana Policy Project at mpp.org or call 1-877-JOIN-MPP. The conversation continues. Welcome back to Cannabis and Commerce, presented by GreenBiz.com, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back to Cannabis and Commerce. I'm Josh Miller, my co-host Mazi Armoveni, and our guest Soham Shah. I'm talking about the Terpene Project, technology, testing, the importance of information and science in the cannabis industry. Why don't you talk to us about what you've seen so far in cannabis tech? what's out there, maybe parties that could benefit from the Terpene Project, what you see moving forward? Definitely. Uh, so some of those third parties, as you just mentioned, would be uh, a lot of these other tech companies, like I said, anybody who has their own data that they could correlate to data that's being aggregated by this open system would potentially be a, a stakeholder. Um, some of those seed-to-sale uh, tracking systems, uh, like WeTracker, who are, are some people we met up in Washington, were great, great guys trying to help improve the industry as well and the efficiency. Um, potentially, some of the end-user end interactions, uh, interaction platforms, so maybe like a Waxy or a MassRoots or uh, a Leafly, uh, you know, and a lot of these people that, that we have in mind obviously are just reflective of, of the experience that, that I've had in the industry, and that's through the course of, of doing business for the Cannabis Commodities Exchange. Um, obviously, this is not meant to be like an exhaustive list by any means. Um, like I said, it's just who, who we've met through, through the course of doing business for CCX. Can you explain, give a little 30-second pitch of what each of those companies are? Like, what is a seed-to-sale tracking system? What is MassRoots? Absolutely. Seed to sale tracking system is actually uh, kind of a misnomer. Uh, most most cultivators will probably know that since they typically grow from clone, not from seed. Uh, but basically what it is, is, is it's a type of software that allows uh, a licensee to track every plant that they're cultivating from the time that it's a clone until it's sold in the store. And the reason for that is really to prevent diversion of, of legally grown cannabis to the black market and to prevent the pollution of the legitimate market with black market cannabis. Because if it can't be tracked from the time it was uh, a young plant, a clone, then who knows where it came from. It could have come from the black market. It might not have been batch tested. There's a whole nother, uh, you know, there's a whole nother area of implications with that. So seed to sale tracking is, is something that uh, was first created during Colorado's medical system when they created the, the dispensary licensing system in 2009. And uh, in my, in my observation, it's something that has really led to uh, the legitimization of the cannabis industry and has, has fostered uh, legalization. And MassRoots, what are they? MassRoots is an Instagram-style, uh, like, picture social network for cannabis users. Waxy? Waxy is uh, an information resource. Uh, they'll do some type of dispensary and strain reviews. Um, they have a, a news and information section of the site. Okay, and, and these, these groups or these companies, these tech companies, how, how would they fit in? You said they would be the third party. How would they fit in with the Terpene Project? 
Um, so Mass Roots and Waxy have end-user facing applications. One of them, maybe they have pictures of strains, and uh, because it's based off of that Instagram or Twitter-style data, it's all hashtagged, which a lot of people think hashtags are funny, but it's actually a very, very smart way of indexing information and being able to recall it. Um, and yes, I know hashtags are kind of a joke in, in society, but actually as, as a tool for, for storing and recalling data, they're very valuable. Okay, so if I were, say, Waxy, I would sign up as a third-party user on a Disturpian project, yeah. and then and then what would that get me? That would give me access to, to some of the anonymous data or any data that, say, uh, somebody who, who had their product tested, they wanted to publicly publish it, then that data would obviously not be anonymized because that person has volunteered to publish their data publicly. So, like, an application of it would be, say, if they have somebody whose dispensary they've reviewed or they provide a place for end-user reviews – they can tie that to a batch and see what the terpene profile on it was, what the cannabinoid profile on it was, and tie that to end-user reviews to try and build a better picture of what the overall science behind the plant is. Okay, so so now okay, I see where it would fit in with uh, with seed to sale tracking or clone to sale tracking, yeah. as you would put it. Um, they would they would sign up as a third party, and then you can have uh, licensees upload their test results to the tracking system directly. Exactly. I see. And for some of the other, the end user applications, people who are really good at analyzing data can package it and figure out similar profiles, cannabinoid profiles and terpene profiles, and then effects if they have collected that data as well. And it's pushed to the terpene project to create some, some sort of overall guide of user experiences that really just doesn't exist in the marketplace right now. Exactly. I mean, in, in my uh, limited knowledge of the plant, kind of what I see coming from it is that, say, you have a strain like Blue Dream that's very well known. Right now, we associate that with a certain smell, a certain taste, and a certain effect. That's all true, but that's all anecdotal. So let's tie those same, those same associations, but tie them to the terpene profile and the cannabinoid profile. So we can construct a definition of blue dreams as a ratio of terpenes to other terpenes to cannabinoids, and they each have a margin in which they can lie to be considered a blue dreams. Nice. I like it. All right. I think that's going to have to do it for, for our show today. Uh, so I'm, I'm sure we'll have you back again. This has been another installment of Cannabis and Commerce. We thank you so much for listening. Wherever you are, whoever you are, hope that you're fighting for some freedom out there. Till next time. The opinions and thoughts expressed by the Green Consulting Group and its guests on this radio show do not constitute legal or other professional advice on any matter. We always recommend that listeners seek the advice of independent counsel. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.